Hello everyone, Hello, welcome, everyone. To, welcome Genial to Genial Geology Adventures. Adventures. I'm Brian, Brian Sheffield. And I'm Donya Williams. How are you guys doing again? You you have gotten on. I see y'all coming on to the show. It's been great. I'm glad to see you there. And we have a great show for you today. So we are so, so, we are pleased, so pleased to be able to, to be invite, invite Elizabeth, Elizabeth Wiseman to the show. To the show. Elizabeth is a Maryland resident. She's a retired administrator in the industries of public accounting and law. Since retirement, she commits much of her time in public service as a community leader and serves on the board of directors for the Park Heights Renaissance CDC in Baltimore, Maryland. She also aids many baby boomers, baby boomers, sorry, on transitioning to Medicare. Great work there. Her admiration for her family actually fueled her as a teenager to begin building her family tree and as an adult, actively searching for her ancestors. She started her DNA journey in 2016, pretty soon after her mother was diagnosed with cancer. She decided to submit her DNA uh, to various testing sites. She hoped to expedite the search for her ancestors and to share the discoveries that she made with her mom. After sending DNA samples for herself and her parents, she discovered a different biological father. Over the next four years, her journey would have her making discoveries that included finding her birth father, who was still alive at the time, nine siblings, an aunt, and an uncle. While many people are experiencing similar findings and discoveries after doing DNA testing, Elizabeth's approach to engaging her new tribe was both a blessing and an absolute inspiration. Elizabeth took steps to provide self-care during her journey with counseling and a support group. During her life's journey, she has had the privilege of being nurtured by four dads, all of whom have now passed. So welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. We are so delighted to have you because, I mean, th this is quite the epic journey. Um, and again, the way that we said that you approached it and you handled it and you dealt with it was was really, really admirable. And I think Donya had a question that she wanted to ask first. Very quickly, I wanted to let our, our audience know. So a lot of times we've noticed that when you guys are sharing the show, first of all, we thank you for sharing the show. We love that you share the show. Um, continue to do that. But the one thing that I want you to know is that it's a show. It's not a webinar. It's not a lecture. <laughs> and it's it's literally a show. And now that we are we're actually on TV, so make sure you guys, you know, view us on E360, get your E360 TV app. And it's just like watching Finding Your Roots just in a different way. But that's what it is. We we are an actual television show. And I wanted to put that out there. It's, it's really not a lecture or a webinar or anything like that. So I just wanted to say that very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and my first question to Bertie is, so take us back to 2016. You do a DNA test. Um, you're familiar with your birth certificate, which you had already seen. So there was a man's name that for all intents and purposes, you thought was your father. So fast forward to 2016, you open up, you know, you log on to, to Ancestry to look at your DNA results and it was completely different. 
what went through your head? What was going through your mind? Well, I wanted to assess the integrity of the data because I thought, well, this obviously has to be a mistake. And um, by that time, I was several months in, the data was still populating with a lot of relatives. Um, I initially did mine, later did my parents. And um, I had more data coming in. And when I saw my dad's DNA, he wasn't a match. And I didn't match any of the relatives that populated in his, in his record. I was the administrator. And obviously, I matched my mother. But what was interesting is that I matched another man and my, my DNA. So I began to explore all of the links. Um, I called Ancestry. I explained the situation, told them that it had to be a mistake or what was the, you know, were there certain variables where this could be a mistake? Um, I'm sure they're used to getting those questions. They answered the questions for me. And I thought there must be other tests that I can take to, to check the integrity of the data. But once I realized the DNA is the DNA, um, I was very anxious. And of course, I wanted to know who this person was. Um, wanted to figure out what to ask my mom. Um, I think that was the most challenging and most difficult for me. Um, but outside of that, I wanted to know, you know, who is this person? Where are they? Are they still alive? Um, I was trying to figure out what the age could be and if I had any siblings. Because I was actually privileged to share just a snippet of this this journey with you. And I will always remember this. Um, Donnie and I had just finished um, doing a segment in our old studio in DC. So we're driving along. I think she phoned you or you phoned her and we were, we were talking about this. And I don't know what made me think to ask the question, how many CMs or central organs did you share with this man? Um, because there was still a question about whether or not he was your father or he might've been an uncle or a brother or there, you know, really weren't sure what it was saying until I until asked I the asked magic, magic question, question about the CMs. About the CMs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the thing is, is that we weren't coming from a show. We were actually, um, I had just got finished doing some Ubering and That's she it. called me. Yeah, she called me. And she was like, I know you're busy, but can I ask you a question? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, it's fine. It's better to do, you know, contact me like that because we were, you know, preparing for the the first um, family reunion. Family reunion, mm -hmm. right. So she's sitting there. She said, can DNA lie? And I was like, huh? She said, well, you remember that 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 brother that I was telling you about? And I said, yeah, well, he's not a brother. Now it says that he's my father. And I was like, oh, okay, let me call Brian because yes. I don't mess with the DNA. <laughs> he was still <laughs> grooming me on DNA at that time. So yeah, he um, I, we called Brian and then that's when he asked. He was like, what CMs are they? And she was like, over 3,000 and yeah. Yeah, 3,400 to be exact. And also, I might add, more DNA I matched with him than I matched with my mom. 
And again, that was a that was a challenging conversation to have because as soon as you said the CMs, I just remember looking because remember talking you I didn't speak to Birdie until we were in the car after the show. You the two of you had already had that conversation. And I'm sure the look on my face was priceless. And again, thinking about the uh, the Augs conference that just finished, and we had a whole panel about ethics. What do you say to people? How do you say it? And I'm like, but I'm thinking, how do I tell this woman that uh, that that's not a brother? That that is absolutely a, absolutely a father. And I think I just kind of came out and said it. Right, right. It was my reality. Um, <clears throat> Um, getting familiar with the number of CNMs and what they mean. And uh, Danya was the first person that I contacted um, after sitting with the information for about a week. And Brian was on the call confirming it. So it was, it was, um, it was an aha moment. Mm -hmm. And if you just, cause I don't want to preempt this and I'd, I'd rather you put it in your own words. What has been the journey like with your mother about this revelation? Well, um, I would say it's been a challenge. Um, but let me also say that I have approached this um, from a, a bigger picture. You know, I understand this is not just about me. I understand that there are some generational dynamics there. And most importantly, I have a wonderful mother. I don't judge. Uh, there's no judging. There's no assumptions made. Um, and I had to get my courage up to ask the question. Um, she denied, of course, and said that um, the DNA is not always right. Um, and so I had to quickly make some decisions and I decided that I know the DNA is always right. And she probably doesn't understand the technology and all of this new information and goings on about the DNA. And I wanted to respect her and her privacy. Uh, but at the same time, it was important for me uh, to know and to research who this new side of my family is. Uh, that was very important to me. So I decided to try to manage both, manage uh, my search and privacy and, uh, and respect my mother and her privacy. So I really started living a double life, did all of my research uh, privately um, and tried to keep as much of that, you know, moving around from my mother. And that's what I've been doing for the past several years. I engaged over time, gave her time to process the information, um, the reality of me knowing, and tried to revisit it a couple of times, but decided to, to leave that alone and just move on. And, and that's what I did. So we now have a biological father. We have the man that you knew as your father who raised you. That's half of your forefathers. If you wouldn't mind just telling the audience who the other two gentlemen were. Well, let me put it in context. So um, my mom and my birth certificate father were married. They divorced uh, when I was at a very early age. My mother remarried. And um, so I had a stepdad that 
uh, raised me and, uh, and raised me most of my influential life. Uh, but I all, always knew who now I refer to as my birth certificate father. I always knew who he was. I visited um, the family. He remarried. Um, I had four sisters uh, by that marriage. And, um, and I would visit during holidays and activities and events. Um, but I'm my mother's only child. And so I grew up with a life of an only child with my mom and my stepdad. Um, but, you know, he raised me from a little child into uh, my high school years. And then he passed in, um, when I was in the 11th grade. Uh, but I always knew who my birth certificate dad was. So those are the first two. After my stepdad passed in 1972, um, I still had my relationship with my birth certificate father. And my mother eventually formed a, another relationship with someone that I knew as I was growing up. And they never married, but I see him as a father because he was there uh, doing my early adult life. He was the person that kind of stepped into that role, uh, the one that took me to my first job interview. If my car broke down, that's who I called. He was there for the the, the first birth, the birth of my first child. Uh, he was there for the holidays um, and all of the family events on my mom's side of the family. So he was the one there uh, into my adult life and the one that my children looked to in addition to my birth certificate dad, which they visited and had a relationship with. But that was the person that they looked at as the grandfather as well, because he was the one that was there for all of these uh, family um, milestones. And, um, and then he died in later years. And then, of course, in 2016, um, you know, my discovery of my biological father is my fourth father. So those are the four um, fathers that I, I refer, refer to. to. And the thing that really strikes me about your story is that you developed, it sounds like you developed a wonderful relationship with all four of them. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to, I wanted, I want to set some stuff straight when it comes to, um, her name is Elizabeth, but we call her Birdie. So I, I want y'all, just in case, you know, it may sound kind of funny when we're uh, talking, calling her Birdie and you see Elizabeth cross the thing. But, um, I have never seen anyone handle the anything like this the way that she did. So you guys have to understand when she says she lived a double life, it really wasn't a double life. It was actually more so a triple life because she had siblings from one father. She was finding siblings for the new father. And then she had to keep stuff situated from her mom to a certain degree, not necessarily from her mom, but you know, it was it was the most amazing thing that I had ever seen. And she would just call me and just talk to me about it. And um, I've, I've never seen anybody handle anything like that. So I guess my, my thing is I want to go into 
how you actually handled this whole situation, you know, how you were separating everything because it was fascinating to me. And I, I, it it was more than, I mean, you would call me from the time you found the first sibling and you talked to him. And I mean, all of that, because you haven't even gone into how many siblings you ended up having with this man. So, I mean, yeah. Well, let me just start with um, my first encounter. So, Donia, you were instrumental in helping me to to begin my search from the moment that you and Brian just affirmed for me um, that, yes, in fact, the DNA was right. Um, I was anxious, um, but I was eager to determine if who this person was and if he was still alive and if so where he was and um, Donia took me to social media uh, immediately Uh, we're on Facebook I'm noticing and learning or discovering that there are several people with that same name trying to figure out if it's a brother if it's a father but he looks rather younger you know, than the age that I anticipate, all of those things. But to fast forward, uh, the first person I engaged was an uncle uh, that Donia found for me. Now, I did learn that my father was, in fact, alive. And, and that was because we were able to locate a brother that lived in Baltimore um, on social media. And because Donia is also related, she then started the lines of communication. I didn't want to do that immediately because I understand that this is not just about me. It's my discovery. But for another sibling to pop up for the whatever number of siblings I have, I had to go into this um, really managing my expectations. And um, I realized that I was eager not in a negative way. Um, I was raised to be open and understand that families, uh, there could be a lot of complexity. You know, I have a lot of family from the South who had children by multiple people. Sometimes they knew, sometimes they didn't know. I understood it was more generational. And um, and so I didn't have a, a shock in a negative sense. Um, but I was eager to you know, get to know if, if I have a dad and siblings out there, I, it's part of who I am and I want to know who they are. But um, I understood that going into this, they may not accept me. And although I wanted to get to know who they uh, were, I also understood that I could be rejected. But I had to make a decision um, that I was going to engage, embrace myself for whatever the outcome. And so I wanted to navigate this very carefully. And I didn't want to surprise, jump out the box and say, hey, I'm your sister, I'm your niece. Um, I wanted to take a methodical approach to it. And so I planned uh, with Donia, you know, about first communication. Uh, Donia's a little more assertive than I am. You know, <laughs> I tend to be, you know, more methodical in my approach. And she made the first contact with my uncle and had a conversation and called me and said, I've met your uncle, your father's brother. 
And, um, and at this point, we had concluded that my dad was alive. And I knew where he was. And I knew where he was living. And I had a phone number. But I didn't make the call because I wanted to think through my approach um, and through this whole situation. Um, and so ultimately, I talked to my uncle first. And, um, and I gave, presented him all of the information that I had just to validate um, my findings, gave him an opportunity to ask me questions. Um, and I paced that process and began to engage and have daily communication with him. But I did ask him, how many siblings do I have? Where do they live? And so he gave me information. I went on so social media uh, to try to see who was on Facebook, who was on LinkedIn. I located uh, the majority of my siblings at that time. Then I began to strategize, you know, and I had a talk with my uncle and I thought that he was going to announce uh, to the family. And I said to him, I'm going to give them time to receive this news. And when they're ready, I'm ready to engage them. And I wanted to give them time. I later learned that it wasn't happening the way I thought it would. So I was moving with, let's say, a sense of urgency. I understood their ages. Um, we were all in our 60s. And, um, and I just, and my dad was in his 80s at the time. And I thought, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to wait. So I'm just going to uh, dive in with a plan. And that's what I did. Um, I started uh, reaching out. Um, in fact, the first sibling, uh, my uncle, you know, informed one sister and she reached out and uh, we actually met uh, for lunch. And that's how I wanted my meetings to be with each of my siblings. I didn't want it to be a group event. I would have rolled with whatever they decided, but um, my preference was to have some private time with each one um, and engage the same way. Here, here is the data. Um, these are my findings and ask me whatever questions that you have and to pace it and give them time to adapt to it. Um, wanted them to get to know me. And so I had, you know, individual meetings with each one. Um, um, you know, each one was four, five, maybe six hours. It wasn't intended that way, uh, but we ended up spending quality time, uh, each one of us, to, um, to establish a rapport. And, uh, and so I was developing and managing all of these new relationships at the same time. So that included my uncle, uh, that included uh, my dad. Uh, my first engagement with my dad was an email. And I thought, I have to let one hit do the trick. You know, I was very uh, methodical with what was going to be in the subject line and what was going to be in the first paragraph in case he shut the email down. I got all of my information but enough to be intriguing enough for him to read the message. And we ended up establishing our communication that way. So I was managing that relationship with my dad and the relationship with these nine siblings and um, all at the same time. 
So that must have been an arc, going from being an only child to now all of a sudden having all of these siblings. I mean, what was that like? Well, you know, so I'm an only child for my mom, and I have nine siblings with my biological paternal family that I'm just learning about. And I have four siblings uh, with my birth certificate dad that I've always known about. So really, we're talking about 13 siblings. Hold up. It's 10 of y'all. It's 11 of y'all. We count it. Well, 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so I started with uh, a certain number of siblings and I do research. So I consider myself a newbie, but I'm a, a genealogist as well. And through the DNA, I was able to discover um, another sibling. And through that discovery, you know, doing my due diligence, um, behind the scenes, talking with the uncle, making sure this wasn't a first cousin or niece, um, we were able to confirm that it was a sibling. And so this time, I think rather bold, but that wasn't the intent. Um, I assembled my siblings through uh, a conference call. I know they thought to themselves, what on earth? I mean, we're just meeting this young lady and now we're having a conference call, but we had a conference call. Um, and then I shared my discovery of, of who I believed was another sibling. And, um, and let me just take time to say, because I know that through my experience in this process, in this journey, um, that everybody is, has not been received well or encountered um, the same positive experience that I have through this process of engagement. Uh, but I must say, um, very unique and quite a few between my father and my uncle and all of my siblings, that all of my meetings went, my first meetings went very well. Um, they were polite. Um, they just, you know, treated me with the utmost of respect, kindness, and courtesy, and they received me um, as a sibling. And I know that everyone doesn't have that experience. So that in itself has been a blessing. Um, but I also understand that everybody's different. And so I've tried to nurture those relationships as I'm getting to know them, them getting to know me. Um, and so I, I think it took somewhat of a little bit of credibility or trust for them to uh, come together and assemble for me to share yet another discovery with all of this DNA information being very new to them. And some of them agreed to, to test upon me asking. And since that time, my uncle, um, my brothers and my sisters, not all of them, but the majority of them have agreed to, to test, not like I really needed that validation, but I really wanted it to be able to see all of them, you know, list up in the same, um, you know, program uh, and they pop up and line up as my my siblings and, and my uncle. And I guess the next question that I have is, 
during this whole process of discovery, because it, it's self-discovery as well. Do you find that it may, may have been a bit easier because you have more life experience or, you know, than say if you had discovered this when you were 20 or you don't think it would, or would it make any difference at all? Well, I think, I think it made a difference, but I also think that it was my experience at an early age uh, through my mom, my mother uh, now is the matriarch on both her maternal and her paternal side of the family as of this past week, because we just lost uh, the matriarch on her paternal side. And so my mother grew up as an only child. She had a brother that died at a very early age. And, but she had all of these brothers, she had all of these first cousins. I mean, just loads of first cousins because her mom and dad were both from a very large family. And I always admired that because I wanted to, always wished I had a lot of brothers and sisters. I have them now, <laughs> but <laughs> I always wished I had a lot of brothers and sisters. And so um, I used to watch my mother engage them. They would call her and I just always admired that. And, um, and because she knew so much of the information when they were born, how many children her cousins had and all of that information. I wanted to be that kind of fact finder. And that's what inspired me to to create my family tree. And these were in my teenage years. So I think it was that exposure and, and observing my mother being family oriented and really not keeping a lot of secrets in terms of this cousin had children on this side of, you know, with this wife and had other children out there that was raised by someone else. And I used to hear those stories and I would hear her lecture them about making sure that, you know, these children over here know the children over there. And that set a framework, I think, for me in terms of how you approach family and accept those realities. And so I, I think that even in my early 20s, one, I would have been very excited about learning about all of these siblings that I always wished I'd had, uh, especially brothers. And, um, and just, you know, I, I came up in a very nurturing um, family environment. So um, I think it was just observing how my parents interacted and how they engaged. And let me also add to, this is another framework that I pull from my stepdad that raised me um, most of my life. Um, he was the first child of his mom and dad. They divorced and they both remarried and had children. And we used to visit his dad's other siblings, uh, children, and we used to visit his mom's children. And he was a very positive, easygoing, loving person. And I watched the dynamics between both those families. Um, and so that was a learning experience for me. And, um, and even the way he interacted with my birth certificate father, he was always engaging and fun-loving and, and accepting, you know, so much that it just gave me positive um, perspective, which is one of the reasons why I'm writing this book 
about the forefathers because a lot of times you hear the negatives. I had positive influences. Uh, but when my stepdad passed away, I noticed the, um, the tension between um, my dad's both sides of his family because um, the first set of siblings didn't want to accept the second set of siblings. And I watched those dynamics. Um, and so all of that was a, a, a learning platform for me. So, okay. So you just went straight to where I was getting ready to go, which is the book. Because um, I'm, I'm excited about, I'm, I was so excited when you came and, and actually said, hey, Donnie, I think I'm going to go ahead and write a book about my forefathers. And I was like, oh, goodness. So <laughs> um, first of all, I want to let everybody know Birdie is connected to us through her biological father. That's how we are related. Um, so when we first, you know, met each other, we didn't know anything when, we, when she first started doing her connections. Um, <clears throat> and it wasn't until she realized that the CMs were really, really high and he was now daddy. Um, that's when we were like, okay. But so not only did she, um, not only did she, figure out for herself, she actually helped us figure out how her father was related to us because we were not sure. I, I didn't know. And, um, and then matter of fact, it ended up finding another child. Because remember Nathan, which is his grandfather, wasn't showing up mm -hmm. on, on my great grandparents, you know, information so we didn't even know so you actually helped us find another child and and that was just amazing in itself but um as far as the book like how much information are you going to put in like how how are you going to actually share this because you're so methodical on everything that you do i'm really wondering you know how are you going to piece all of this together in a book well you know, what's important to me or what inspired me to, to write this book is the relationships. Let me just say that um, the deaths of these forefathers aren't that long ago. And my birth certificate father passed after I discovered my biological father. We didn't have a discussion because he had dementia. However, um, he, he passed, um, before I had the conversation with my other sisters, which is a whole nother dynamic. Um, I, and I had a sense of, I had a sense, I felt a sense of guilt. Um, and I just have to say that anyone going through this experience really should seek some type of outlet. I was blessed to have, uh, Danya there and Brian there to pass information or share information and my experience. But um, I had mentioned to them that I quickly uh, found myself a part of a support group. Uh, this is a private group on Facebook. I didn't find them. They found me. And I think it was within the same year that um, the person that created that support group had discovered the same herself. And so I was lucky to, to land there 
and know that there were other people going through similar experiences. Um, but I'd also just prior to that had started um, seeing um, a therapist. Uh, this was someone that I decided to talk to since my mother had cancer and I started having some medical problems and I always look at the glasses half full. But I understood that uh, just like I take a, a proactive approach to my physical well-being, that I probably should do the same with my emotional well-being. And that started my relationship with a therapist that happened to be, you know, that we just happened to, to start those meetings just before I had my discovery. So the timing uh, was perfect. And I think having those two outlets helped me to continue to stay on course in a way that I did that kept me healthy, anchored so that I could manage all of these emotions through these 10, 12 relationships that I was trying to manage and concern about how I was going to share this discovery with the four sisters that I already had. Now, Henry Goins has asked a really good question. Were any of the siblings that you found, um, were they already pursuing family history? Or if they weren't, when you met them, have you did you get them curious about their family history? Um, no, the, the answer was no, they weren't. And um, I think I don't see any of them pursuing that information today. I think I have one brother that, you know, is dipping and dabbing into the... Um, you know, the record um, and looking at the data. Um, but no, they haven't really dived in and started, you know, doing any gene, uh, genealogy research. But I think what was important for me was that they saw the integrity of the data themselves, that they could go into uh, ancestry. I have one sister uh, that tested in 23andMe. And when I learned that she did, I tested so she could see my data pop up. And so I think it, it's still more important to me to track the data. And my hope is that one day they'll continue to, to engage it, but at least they all have it. Okay. And I'm going to combine a couple of questions into one. And the question is, as I studied Edgefield a lot more and learned a lot more about my families, I started to see their traits in me. <clears throat> and it's something that Donia also talked that we just, we talk about this a lot on the show. We recognize a lot of our Edgefield lines and our behaviors, our tastes, what we like, what we don't like, and the kind of people that we are. Did that kind of fill in a missing piece for you? Did you kind of pick up on family traits that you see in yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, it's hard to describe, and I think for others that might have this experience in the future or have recently had this experience, um, I noticed in the support group, I saw trends that uh, were a reality for me. You know, meeting, seeing my dad for the first time, you know, I think there are things when you're growing up, you say, oh, I, my nose is from my mother, or I have my dad's ears or I do this and, you know, and so I had to dissect all of that again, because the dad who I believed was my dad and the things about myself that I thought 
or like my dad, uh, my birth certificate father, I knew, you know, I now I have to to pair that with my my father. And I remember the first time I met him, you know, I think I was looking at him, dissecting him, you know, looking at his eyes and his nose and and I took a picture and I put them together and wanted to look at the similarities. But it was his traits, some of the things that we talked about, some of the things that he liked, um, his approach to different things just stood off. It stood off the page for me. It was fascinating. And I don't know if he saw those things. And I did ask him at one point. But I know for me, I I know um, some of the things that I I get that's like my dad. Same thing with my siblings, with each one. I see parts of me in each of them. And although we were getting to know each other, um, I already knew that I found my tribe. And it's very difficult to explain to anyone who hasn't had that experience. Um, I have my sisters over here, loving, very kind, very endearing. But there was always a, a disconnect and I always contributed that to they grew up together in a household that was different from mine. And so we had different experiences, you know, came up in different lifestyles. But with this group of siblings, clearly um, they're not all from the same household. Um, but I see me in each of them and different aspects and it feels like home that's the that's only way, the only that, way I that i can describe it, describe it. and i apologize to the, and i apologize to the audience for any noise that's coming through my through my headset i can actually you know say to you birdie that i believe your father did see the traits in you because he started to really trust certain things with you that you know, your dad was something else. <laughs> your dad was something else. So I, I really think that as he as he got to know you more and got to learn you, because you did get the opportunity to know your dad um, before he passed. And um, I think that uh, he, he, he realized who you were and he knew that you were definitely his child, that you had that... You had that organizational skill that he has or that he had and he knew that and that's why he just really kind of started trusting you um with a lot of things so i want um to get these questions because the the audience is really engaged into your story um shelly murphy she said did any of them fear that their biological father was not the one that they thought you know after everything that had gone on no that was easy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no because you know my uh dad brilliant brilliant man i just um i'm just so inspired by uh, his life story, um, and and all of my siblings are intelligent and um, and at the core very loving and kind-hearted people. 
Um, don't get me wrong. We're already fussing and fighting and, you know, but that's what siblings do. And, and I welcome it. But um, I think my siblings kind of knew of um, at certain times in his life that um, that he experienced and and had other children outside of, you know, the marriages with their mothers because um, it was most of the children were born of, of two marriages. Um, so, no, they they weren't shocked. But I think, it, I was think it was important for them, for them to, validate to validate that, that in, fact, in fact, he accepted, he accepted me, me as, as one of his one children. Of his children. So another question, and um, this one is with George Ann Aiken. Did your biological father talk about his relationship with your mother? Are your siblings or or are your siblings some know about each other? So, yeah. Great questions. Um, first, let me just say my siblings knew about each other, except for the one that I uh, discovered through DNA and and actually communicated to them. Um, my dad did initially ask questions about my mom so that he could try to place who she was. So at this point, my dad was in his late 80s and uh, my mom's also in her 80s. And remember, I'm, you know, treading this, this, this pattern of doing what I'm doing to discover and communicate and develop relationships without sharing with my mother because I just didn't want to upset her. I didn't want to uh, feel like she was being judged. And I made a decision to move forward in spite of. And so my dad did ask questions. Um, I provided as much of the information that I knew and he gave me questions to ask my mother. And at some point I just had to say, you know, time out. Uh, the reality is my mother's not talking. This is what she's saying. And I've accepted that and moved on. And so if we need to, I'm open to doing a paternity test, if you'd like, so that prior to really establishing a bond and a relationship, we both are comfortable that the data is true, is valid, and then we can move on from there. Okay, and then um, Angela James, she asked, growing up, did you ever feel that your birth certificate father was not your father as you later discovered? No, 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 I no. never did. Um, you know, I started out from as early as I can remember, you know, visiting and, you know, engaging with my cousins. Uh, the family wasn't a huge family and, and didn't engage as much, you know, but you know, with my grandmother and my great-grandmother of my birth certificate father. And the only thing that was different for me was that um, I didn't grow up in the household with him and his other children. Um, and so that was something that, you know, was a lifestyle that I learned to, to manage. It wasn't like I was 15 and had to adjust to something. I grew up with those types of, you know, family dynamics and no, had no suspicions. And Shelly Murphy, she asked again, uh, another question. She said, does Elizabeth have children? And 
now I am sure tons of nieces and nephews. <laughs> <laughs> Great questions. Well, I do. I have two adult sons. I have uh, four adult grandchildren. And I have um, my first great-grandchild. Um, and that was that was a dynamic, too, because as I was going through my discovery, my sons were very protective of me and um, and they wanted to engage a uh, real time. And and so I had to kind of manage that as well. I wanted to be protective of them. And so that I wanted to first engage to see if I was going to be rejected before uh, making them a part of this process. And so I was trying to protect them. They were anxious to protect me. And they probably felt some kind of way about me not allowing them to engage real time. And I had to manage that. Um, but now, you know, they're getting to, to learn about this other uh, family. So I guess my last question is going to be, for someone, I know that every situation is different. This is because um, we see this discussed on Facebook a lot. You know, um, I just realized that I have a different mother or a different father from the person that I always thought was my my biological parent. Is there just any general advice you can give someone about navigating through through all of this? Well, my advice would be, um, you know, first trying to reconcile that with yourself um, can be challenging. And like I said, for me, um, again, I approached it with a glass half full. I was anxious. You know, I wanted to know the truth. I don't need to know what happened. You know, that was my mother's life. It would be good to know, but if I don't know, I'm good with it. But it was important for me to know who my family is. I'm a genealogist. I want to know the right matches. And so for me, um, I would say having seeking some support is, is very important as you're managing all of these emotions. Um, you know, whether that's a therapist or support group, I think is the most important thing as you're working through all of this, whether you decide to meet your relatives or not, or if you decided to meet them and, and they reject you. Understand that it's, it's you. It's a big part of a acknowledgement for you. But it's not just about you if they're learning about you, too. And so there's a much bigger picture and and you want to look at the totality of it and and have realistic expectations. And I think if you start out uh, with some support um, and and try to manage your expectations, um, that will help you every step of the way. Yes. Well, um B. Williams asked, <laughs> Brian, are you and Danya related? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a loaded question. Yes, it, yes, we are. <laughs> Man, are we related. That's all I can say. Um, but what I can say is I know you guys always talk, we always talk to you guys about Moses Williams. All three of us are descendants of Moses in one way or another. Um, Birdie and I are actually very closely related. Her father 
ends up being my mother's first cousin once removed. So that that's how that's how close she ended up being to us. And um <clears throat> it was it was really enlightening to learn that. Uh Maddie Maddie Sullivan said, my father had a family before his marriage to my mother. Unfortunately, long before my birth, my oldest sister from his first marriage passed, I was never able to meet either of his two daughters personally. Despite this, my sister, Queen Esther, was very much like my daddy, but was angry because, and I can't read press. It, it goes, it disappears. I'm sorry. Oh, I've got it. Um, okay. Because of the person he was during his marriage to her mom. I truly I wish truly the relationship could have been healed. Oh, okay. And Jerome Spears says, sounds like you're doing a wonderful job managing this very challenging situation. Wish you continued success. Thank you. Um, Dante Eubanks, he says, thank you so much for sharing your story. Continue prayers for your, your journey. Thank you. <laughs> Shelly said this is a great discussion and she has embraced herself and her tribe. Yes, she has, Shelly. She truly, truly has. She truly has. And thank you, Jerome. He says, great odds presentation, you too. <laughs> so oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you for thank that. You. Well, I guess really when you boil it down, you can only do one of three things. You can either embrace it, you can ignore it, or you can run from it. You chose to embrace it. Yes. And well, I mean, Birdie, you talked us through this show and we're like almost five minutes out now. Okay. <laughs> and you, okay. you just, you, you've done such a good job. And again, you guys, if you guys could really like know the steps that she went through, I'm really hoping that she, when she writes her book, um, that she will, um, really get in depth on the steps that she took because she would call me and I promise you guys, I would be sitting on the phone with my mouth just dropped to the floor because it got to the point where we would, I would see somebody on my DNA and if they ended up matching that whole group, I would just click on her. I would just call her and say, Bertie, who is this? Because she, <laughs> you know, she was the one that would be able to find it out. And she was quick with it. She was, she was really fast and they just, they worked, she worked it out. So I'm very proud of you. Um, we got another um, comment, one from oh, Michelle Grant. My cousin, my cousin another, another DNA, DNA cousin. cousin. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got Michelle Grant. She says, um, thank you for sharing your story. And then Agnes Smith, I'm glad that Birdie is getting support with this life-changing situation. Cannot imagine having to face that myself. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, Tarika Baker, who is also <laughs> one of our cousins, she says, thanks, Cousin Birdie, for telling your story. You're welcome. Uh, then um, Maddie Sullivan, thanks so much. Tribes are so important. I love the way that you took care of each person, person involved. And she really did take care of them. And I think I want to leave the show with this last comment from Henry Goins. We all need a Birdie. Oh, <laughs> yes, thank we do. You. We all need a birdie, and I, I agree. And I'm so glad that I have her that I can claim her as mine. <laughs> thank you. Well, Bonnie, I, you let me just, I want to sign off by saying one thing in case um, 
my siblings do see this video that um you know i have a tribe but i have two tribes i have the tribe from my birth certificate um father who i have shared with them they embraced it they wanted to make sure i was taken care of um and they said that i'm still their sister and that's equally important to me and then um, my new tribe so i have two tribes and i love them all dearly and that really is amazing so we're not going to let you go just yet. We're just going to do a little blurb about um, next week's show. <clears throat> so for next week, Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here, we will be speaking to Yaya Gordon about Louisa's life on a Louisa, sorry, Louisiana even, sugar plantation. Um, you've already been asking questions. People have been reaching out. That, that episode is kind of taken on a life of its own. So we look forward to seeing you here next Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, to talk about Louisiana's sugar plantations. Yeah, that show is going to be great. You guys, uh, is, that's going to be a big show because she's going to talk to She's going to be ready. What you guys need to know about Ms. Gort, Ms. Yaya is that um, she's a genealogist. And she actually works at a plantation. And she was in the Louisiana in Louisiana when the last storm hit. So she's able to like really go into detail about the about the everything when it comes to that. And she has so much knowledge to share. So make sure, make sure you guys, you know, definitely join us. And also if there are any business owners out there and you guys and legit business owners not just starting or what have you but if you're a business owner and you want to um advertise your show contact us and we may be able to help you out so um to maybe get some advertisement out there for you we're very affordable and we're definitely just open for all of that so Freddie, you have any last words we're like a minute out um, um Good luck I to all of you who have not have done not your done DNA, your DNA uh, and uh, decide and to take that step and, step and have surprises. Have surprises. Uh, just, I'll think just think it's not the negative. Look at the opportunity. Okay. And to wrap things up, if you are new to seeing us on E360 TV, this is actually season five of Genealogy Adventures. There is another whole four seasons worth of programming for you to see either on Facebook Live or YouTube. Just look for Genealogy Adventures and you'll find us there. So until next week, and as always, thank you for sharing this hour on a Sunday with us. And until next week, I'm Brian Sheffy. And I'm Donya Williams. Thank you so much, guys. You have a great day. Thank you have for having me.